You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Yes. I hear your um your producer in the background. Yes, my producers are just leaving now. Bye-bye. <laughs> she did not want to go. She was like, "He loves me." Here. He just told me she loves me. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "I no leave. I stay here." Aww. I was like, "Nope, you got to go." <laughs> yeah. They're not very good at being quiet. Uh, uh, you know what? Reason. Yeah, I I may have a producer that's going to scream in in four month old infant, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> See, but you can like the great thing about them when they're that age is that you can they're like potted plants, so you can't <laughs> like they just sit there. It's like when they hit eight months and they start crawling around, or worse, like a year and two months when they start running, and then it's just <laughs> all over. Yeah, now. My producer has cognition, intelligence, understands what I say, yeah. and I have to watch my language. That's when producers but become. But you're difficult. also at that point in life where you're just keeping them from killing themselves. Like they yeah. will take, they will take a piece of metal and stick it into an outlet, like All in the time, three yeah. seconds. Yeah, it's like they'll they'll scan a room, and be like, "What can I do to really scare the shit out of the person that's watching me?" <laughs> and then they do that. <laughs> This particular producer is very bright and very good about not doing dangerous things good. unless he, you know, like, yeah. So I'm hopeful. Yes. <laughs> well, remain that way and your hopes will be dashed. I, I, yeah, I'm i right. sorry. I have a seven, almost 17-year-old and a 13-year-old, so I know. <laughs> yeah. They don't, they don't mind, do they? No, they don't. <laughs> yeah. So how are you doing? I'm doing well. Chris, what have you been up to lately? Like, what are you doing? Oh, man. Reading. Like, all oh, the time. Like, what are you reading? Like, what, what's on your desk right now? So, my goal this year is to read two books a week. And oh. so, that is a very aggressive goal. And it takes a lot of discipline and about three to four hours of reading a day. Oh, um, Which I usually get one and a half. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I'm picking short books. Um, oh, good. <laughs> But uh, I I'm reading uh, a book called Foundation about the formation of Britain. Hmm. Um, I learned today that when the plague hit, it was probably anthrax, not bubonic plague, in thirteen the thirteen thirties in England, and it killed like a third of England. It it basically because the labor supply, so many people died, the labor supply was cut so significantly that it permanently changed the economy of Britain. And peasants basically were either no longer there or no longer were peasants because there were so many job opportunities that it permanently, like, it killed off the feudal system permanently. Mm -hmm. And it also threatened the landed gentry so much that they started passing laws that it was illegal not to have a job. You couldn't just not have a job. Uh, and they tried to force all employers in England to only pay pre-pandemic wages. And so people just ignored it. And they also... <laughs> like. So it was but, like basically wage prohibition. Yeah. And so... Yeah. Which always like, works. If, always. If their employer <laughs> did it, they would just 
leave that town and go to a different town where there was a more generous employer. But it raised because demand increased and supply of labor decreased. Prices went up. People got wealthier. And it's one of the reasons that the English became so prosperous. Hmm. So I thought that was a sad, weird fact that I learned today. It is. And how does that relate to your life in, in Indiana, Christopher? I have no idea. It's just that you ask me what I'm doing. All I'm doing is reading. Like, I, I went and did a well, pat down today. I saw Miss Pat oh, and Dion and we had fun. I thought about Miss um, Pat a lot today because I was kind of forming my, um, the foundation of what we're, yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's really good at that. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for her, like just where she came from and where she is now. And, um, but no, I was thinking about what we're going to talk about. And I was really trying to form my argument because it's something that's been on my brain for a long time. And I've studied libertarian fem- feminism and, um, oh, gross. Uh, <laughs> but it actually made me think about like, um, systemic racism, which everybody loves all these topics and I should be so popular by the time we're done. Right. Honestly, <laughs> fuck everyone. I just don't care yes. anymore. Like it is so exhausting to like think about what is or is not like it's just you want to be sensitive and you want to be empathetic but at the same time like you have to talk like you have every white man in the universe gets mad when you talk about racism you know and if you know it's just like they got that side and then you've got the other side and cancel culture and it's just exhausting and but somebody who's worked in a radio and yeah. radio and comedy my entire career, I'm just like, oh, this is hell. Well, <laughs> you know what, Chris? I, what I have to say about comedy, especially like stand-up artists, I and I feel like they're the last truth tellers in our society anymore. Like, it, it takes a lot to get up and make people laugh because they're speaking about truth, and you know they're finding something in somebody's soul that is making them laugh because. Uh, comedy is irony so right I, I have a lot of respect for comics and i i really hate when they get canceled because it's like god damn you're just killing everything you know <laughs> so, like i mean listen sometimes it's deserved and sometimes it's yeah. like you know you there's certain things you like you're gonna lose audience if you say certain things like there's one yeah. comic that just said something the other day and Okay, you, you know, have to say my, who it is, even though I, I know no, that you're just, no, you can't because your career. Oh, that's no, crazy. my friend, my friend was just like, I gotta unfollow them. Like, I just don't want to support this person anymore, and it sucks because yeah. I like them. Yeah. Well, I, I don't want to. When comments get too political, I mean, there's something funny about being ph- philosophical about politics, but when you get too political, I think you lose humor. Yeah, but listen, yeah. talk about what you want to talk about. Oh, Fuck. okay. The, the people that are interested in what you have to say will follow you, and the people who aren't, go find somebody else. It's, it's the free market. Yes. So we're, I, I wanted to start a movement. It's not actually a new thing. It's just something that really hasn't been represented well or branded well, and that's fourth-wave feminism. Hmm. Yes. So it so exists already? It already exists, but not really. It's not well-formed. Okay. Um, and so what is like, it? Okay. So there's two versions of it. Um, there's libertarian fem- feminism and socialist feminism. Okay. As a capitalist, you can imagine where I fall. Right. But you're right. on the We Are Libertarians network. So the socialist side? No, not so much. <laughs> and it's, it's not that I disagree with um, the reasons why they are the way they are. It's that I disagree with uh, the... the um, way that they think they're going to deal with uh 
this. Like, Ex- explain that. Okay. So if there's a problem, maybe it's patriarchy, maybe it's, uh, you know, people not being treated equally. The, the answer is never the state, like ever, ever, because all it does is make everything worse. So Chris, mm-hmm. let me, let me, um, ask you, cause you have good libertarian chops. What is the smallest minority on the earth? The individual person. Amen. Are women not individuals? Well, no, yeah, <laughs> they are individuals. Yes. And so I, yes. I think that um, libertarian feminism is such a small niche, niche, or however the hell you say that. And so I don't think that anybody's paying attention to that. Now, uh, third wave feminism gets a lot of traction. In- Why don't you explain the like the f- four waves then? Why not start with one so, and two and three? So first wave feminism not a bad thing. You think about the right to vote um, and w- the movement for women to get the right to vote. Unfortunately, there were some bad byproducts from that, but that doesn't mean that uh, necessarily their intentions were poor. Prohibition right. was absolutely something disgusting that came from that. But that's not feminism. That was just a byproduct of it. Um, so women um, being able to be equal in their representation of government, even though I abhor government, isn't a bad thing because if we're going to have one, then why shouldn't we have a voice? Well, that's uh, one of the beauties of liberalism, which libertarianism mm-hmm. and liberalism are basically the same thing in liberalism yeah. in the classical, classical li- right? Yeah, classical liberalism absolutely and says. They adopted it because you know, the idea is of a liberal democracy is that government exists and everyone should have an equal share in directing the ship of state. Yeah. And so if women are to live under the rules of the state, they ought to have a say in it. And so, you know, I totally agree. And I think it's like first wave feminism all on board. Mm-hmm. Not a surprise, because I, I just think that's expanding rights and expanding access to the public square is always a good thing. Yes. But then there's this transition into second wave feminism, um, which lends itself. And there, there's still some good things about it. And a lot of people don't know about that. But um, it lends itself to women deciding that. Why do I have to be at home? Why can't I go out to work? Is basically like that's right. a big like just putting it in a nutshell. Those aren't bad ideas. Um, sure. So I mean, making and, women and it, equal in the workforce is a great thing. If I'm good at my job, why can't I do a job? Because I have a different different parts in my pants. The, <laughs> like, right. The expansion of women in the workforce led to the nonprofit sector. It led mm-hmm. to the rise in the nursing sector. It led to very empathetic aspects of our society that have improved society, have have in a lot of ways offered more free market solutions because we now look at, instead of like, we need to punish drug users and put them in jail. We now go, all right, let's look at alternative solutions that don't involve the state that let's look at this in a different way, a more compassionate way. So yeah, I mean, there go watch nine five mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and that's, that's and I I think it's just, <laughs> there are cultural influences that you about culture when people say i'm i'm supporting culture usually they're supporting something that was crafted in 1895 at the beginning of the industrial revolution that is not a long-standing tradition that sense you know they're it's marketing from 1912 you know like weddings are a great example of tradition that you know the wedding ceremony itself yes but 
ring tosses and all that, or garter tosses, all mm-hmm. that shit. Those, well, it, it's funny you know, because the, the Industrial Revolution actually led to um, first wave feminism. It, what, so what how? happened was, so um, I did a long course in study in this, and it makes a lot of sense, even though it was rooted in uh, conservative tradition, so I don't necessarily agree with all the, um, like, how they believe the outcomes were bad, but what happened was um, women for centuries obviously did not have the same say as a man. If you mm-hmm. think that women were equal to men throughout you know, time, you probably don't know anything about history. But what happened was women were in a way equal in their families as though they would be equal partners. They were home businesses. And then all of a sudden, men went to work outside the home most of the week and women stopped being producers and started to be consumers. And right. And so there was a big issue with their value. And so they wanted to be valuable again, because obviously they're human beings that want to create value. Um, Hence the first wave feminist movement. The second wave went to like, why can't we have equal pay? Why can't we work outside the home? You know, obviously they had just like filled in all the positions from World War II. And so they were like feeling this um, need to feel value, not just being homemakers. So that was like the second wave. Mm-hmm. Now, that goes all the way through the civil rights movement. And then we have third wave feminists. And that is the one I'm supposed to hate. Yeah, you are. And you know what? There's a few things about it that aren't horrible. But the listen, here's is, the, the funny. I don't know anything about third wave. feminism. I do. I just <laughs> as a as a right leaning person, I have been told my entire life I am supposed to hate it. And this is the funny thing about being on the right is. You're reactionary, and so other reactionaries tell you to react poorly mm-hmm. to this or that, even though you don't know anything about it. So it's like... You know, a that, good rule of thumb in life is if somebody tells you to hate somebody, look at the person that told you that before you look at the person they told you to hate. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm going to believe what I believe because I'm rooted in principle. Now, it's not that if somebody I know tells me, hey, this is cool, not cool or whatever. Yeah, I'm going to take a second look at it. So but- you're saying I shouldn't listen to my parents. Got it. <laughs> well, you should listen to them and then uh, compartmentalize what they say. <laughs> Which is what I do. Okay, so explain to me what this is. So third wave feminism comes along and it wants to completely dismantle patriarchy. I do not think patriarchy is a good thing. What is that? Okay, so it's men being the head of society because they're stronger and less emotional than women, basically. I mean, everybody else sums it up as something different, but this is what I get from it because I have common sense. And that's actually not natural. I mean, there were societies long before, you know, America and and Western civilization that viewed women as being just as valuable. They just had a different position. So what happened was women took this along with men and what we call modern day liberals and not actual classical liberals. They took this and decided in order for them to destroy the patriarchy, they would have to destroy men. And that's Mm. where the problem is, because, again, what is the smallest minority? It's the individual. And if you're going to be anti-individual, then you've got problems because you're collectivizing. So sort of like um, Emily Ratajkowski, the model who was in the um, Blurred Lines video that was topless that like kind of Mm -hmm. made her career. Yeah. Um, she, I don't know if she said it or if it was just in an article she was in or she was on the cover of this magazine. Um, but I think she's pregnant. I think she said that she grieves every day because she's having a male baby 
and she's sad about bringing a new white male into the society. And like, to me, that is like, I am against dehumanizing language that leads to like oppression that leads to violence against that class or group. Like to me, that's that's collectivizing and that's anti-liberty. It doesn't matter if it happens to white men, black men, black women, white women. It doesn't matter if you collectivize a group and, and try to oppress them to bring yourself up. You're only going to demoralize everybody. Like that's not how you make yourself equal. Yeah. Have you ever seen individual? Yeah. Have you ever seen one child policy or I think it's called one child. China. I did. I think it's on Amazon prime. Really scary. Yeah. I mean, it leads to real, like it led to rape culture. It, they literally still leave children on the side of the roads because they're mm-hmm. female. Yes. Um, so I just, what I appreciate is I, I'm, I would consider myself a feminist. Well, I'm probably going to scare some people off, but I, I consider myself a fourth wave feminist and the, the term's been taken a little bit here and there, but it's not really been popularized. So I've decided I'm mm-hmm. going to. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it's looking at the woman as the individual, so we need it to bring it back to individualism and not collectivism. So am I not equal and worthy as worthy as a man? Yes, I am. So judge me on my individual abilities. Do not collectivize me. Do not put me in a class. Okay. Like I own myself and therefore you need to only judge me as a human being and not by my sex. And that's basically what it is. And I think that should be for everybody there's a lot of things that women have dealt with that I can correlate or not correlate um, compared to racism. And I wouldn't say that I know about racism personally. I haven't experienced it, but also like men haven't experienced sexism as women have. Now they have been, men have been targeted before for being men. I don't disagree with that. I just think if, just because you didn't experience something doesn't mean it doesn't happen. And so I think, open- I think degrees degrees play into it. Like I think the me too movement has been good for teaching me a lot of the female experience in society that I didn't understand or know existed. Or, you know, for instance, the thing that like really made me think about how I look at women mm-hmm. is a friend of mine was saying that she was at work. She worked in a male environment. And she held her pee all day because she didn't want to walk to the, to the bathroom because they would, they would like leer at her, her behind and, you know, a couple would make comments and, you know, she'd always kind of like, and this, this is the the thing that I hear, you know, going back to jokes, like you got to think about who's on the other end of that joke and what, how, what impact that has where she'd kind of laugh along with the sexist jokes mm-hmm. to, yeah, to you kind of go in. along you to get along. Right. Yeah. You, you don't, don't want to be, be the girl that hates men. You don't yeah. want to be that my girlfriend, I don't want to be the bitch. You know, mm-hmm. She'll say that. And um, it really made me think like she has to sit in physical pain because of a, a, an environment that uh, encourages treating her like an, a sex toy, basically where in my life do I, you know, am I being inappropriate? Like that's, I wouldn't want to sit in pain all day because I need to pee. Like I have a small bladder and I have to go every two hours and like that would suck. And so I don't know. I heard, so I think looking at the me too movement and then talking to other friends from other different groups, you know, like miss Pat and Dion and you hear, okay, maybe 
white men or me or others have experienced X, Y, or Z once or twice. Mm -hmm. But there are certain, like, things that happen on a daily basis that condition you and you just accept it. And then you either get offended by that, you know, resent it, I guess is maybe the word, or you just kind of become numb to it where if it happened to me, I would lose my shit. This is unfair. How could it, you know what I yeah, mean? Like, I, no, I would say, um, and I was mostly very right winged and conservative growing up. So I didn't, and I still don't have any poor view of men. I do think there are certain circumstances where they're treated unpoorly for just being men, but I've had one job in my entire lifetime where I haven't been sexually harassed or demoralized for being female. And that was when I worked for an all-female agency. I'm an insurance agent. That was a one right. time. Um, I bartended. And I've worked with male bartenders who are great, actually. But the customers, it, when you bend over to get a beer, you're going to hear it. Um, yeah. uh, I worked in management at a movie theater. And I walked into the office one day. And they had taken my picture and photoshopped it on pornography and posted it everywhere. And it was funny to them. Um, right. Like, that's just happened every time I've worked somewhere. There's never been one man who hasn't been suggestive to me, especially in a, in a place of authority to me, except for when I worked for an all-female agency. Hmm. So, and I'm not saying this doesn't happen to men. I'm just saying, like these aren't women that are just trying to get at men. It just happens all the time. So you have two choices as a woman, you can ignore it and you can try to move forward or you can speak up and be fired. So this exists and it's wrong unless you think women don't belong in the workplace. And then you need to go back <laughs> to first yeah. feminism and understand that you're wrong. Um, and so I just think that treating as a, a woman as an individual is just, the best course of action. Like it makes the most sense. It makes the most sense for um, anybody who has bigoted or collectivist ideas. You know, if you're a racist or you're a nationalist or whatever, just think about people as an individual and then that dismantles your ideology. It's very simple. Well, yeah, like the guy who wrote Game of Thrones the with the little bottle cap hat, little short yeah. chubby guy. <laughs> He, he, someone asked him in one of those like panels, you know, how do you write women so well? He goes, well, first I think of a woman and then I pretend she's a person, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. uh, it's like, I, I totally agree with you. I think you have to sit there and examine your behavior and just think about, all right, if I were being treated this way, would I like this or, you know, yeah. If my female friends and my black friends and my other friends tell me that, you know, like Harry, it was very, like, sad for Harry to say to me, I never felt like a part of the group because you always kind of made jokes about my race and it just made me feel, like, different. Yeah, and you it know? doesn't necessarily mean that you have ill intentions or bad. It's just you didn't sure. realize it. You know, it, it's not I'm like sitting here all going, matter evil. Oh, I'm just pretending his blackness means nothing, you know, that it's no big yeah. deal was you know and that's what i would tell myself like oh we're just treating him like an equal because we'd bust balls but like i wasn't really treating him like an equal and now that i see that like i'll make fun of him for being a nerd yeah huge nerd well, he is and he right. made fun of me for not understanding steam yard so <laughs> right you know so but, but harry <laughs> but like for somebody like harry who literally tells me every time i yeah. leave my house i'm afraid i'm not coming back because of getting stopped by the police like it's 
a different sensitivity to racial jokes than I have. And, you know, so it's, he, he, when he told me that we stopped, right? Like I try, you know, so I just think that's where I get bent out of shape by the right, where they kind of go, well, if I stop treating Trisha and making sexist jokes towards her, then, you know, I'm acknowledging her gender and I am, you know, playing into this critical race theory game and I'm just going to treat them like everybody else. And I just don't think that everybody is exactly like the way that my brain thinks the world is. You know what I mean? Like, I just think that's a very, like, I think this way. And so everyone thinks I do. And so they should just get over it. Right. It's a very entitled way to think. Part of that's kind of understandable. I mean, it's not excusing it, but it's understandable. We all live in the world we live in. So, because we don't experience other things, a lot of times we don't have the wherewithal to think, oh my gosh, it might actually happen to other people and I just might not know about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that actually makes common sense. But, you know, we, we get so caught up in our own world and worrying about who is persecuting us and being collectivists <laughs> that we don't actually understand it. And I have to point out, like, um, I started to realize that, especially about like systemic racism and things like that, which I'm not allowed to talk about as a new cap. I don't really fun care. I'll talk about whatever I want. But I was listening to the pat down and Miss Pat said something that really struck me. And it struck me to this day. She was talking about a story where she was selling something on Facebook Marketplace, which is something I do. And the woman was white and lived in a suburban neighborhood. She was selling her or she was selling Miss Pat an item. And she said, well, my son can come and get it. So it was lifting it, whatever, it was large, whatever. And the lady said, okay, well, I'll just leave my garage open. He can come and get it. She goes, he can't do that. <clears throat> and I didn't, it clicked. Like something clicked in me. I'm like, well, why? Like I would say the same thing that lady said. And it was like, if he walks up as a young black man into this woman's garage in a white neighborhood, bad things could happen. And I started to realize, oh, my God, I can't imagine living that way. And it's the same way I feel sometimes as a woman when I walk into, um, you know, a business and I'm like, well, I have all these guys here. And then there's these other guys at the end of the bar and they're going to talk to me differently because I'm a woman. And when I bend over to get a beer bottle or carry a case of beer, they're going to say shit to me. They're never going to say it to the male bartenders. They're never going to. Right. And that's just. Like, you have to understand other people's experience. It's not saying that you do that yourself. It's just understanding that it actually happens. Like, it's, that's okay to say that. Right. Yeah. So what, what do you say to the person who just says, like, well, if you don't want to be in that environment, get over it and move on. Go I find would a different say, job. Yeah, I would say that's heartless and that's not real life. Because, you know, everybody doesn't live in this black and white scenario. We can run out and get a different job. We have kids to feed. We have lives to live. I have kept jobs and laughed along with men that have said horrible things about me because I needed the money. And at the end of the day, I have to pay my bills. So does everybody else. And I can imagine that a man could be put in that position. A white man could be put in that position too. And it's not his fault for not quitting. Like uh, maybe I saw something the other day that I thought was really interesting Um, And it was talking about a woman sleeping her way to the top. Mm -hmm. And it said, why did they ever say that she had horrible bosses that disproportionately afforded positions to people that weren't 
qualified for them. Right. Why, why does it not go the other way? Why is not the person authority's fault for, um, you know, promoting somebody through sex or through race or whatever? Why is it not their fault? They're in the position of authority. Why is it the person working their way up's fault? It really makes a lot of sense. Why don't we view those things that way? Why don't we view men that, uh, that ask women to sleep with them to get a higher position as the bad guy? Right. You know, and don't do that. Be a better boss. It's, it's just that simple. View them as an individual. If they're not worthy of it, then don't promote them, you know? Yeah. So. No, I think it, I, I agree. I think like the, the Me Too conversation, there are times where it, you know, you look at like a Garrison Keillor, okay? The guy from like Wobegon, the Prairie Home Companion guy, like he got fired and basically his name was erased from the earth after all these years of basically helping build NPR into what it is. Mm-hmm. Because he touched the small of a woman's back, you know, or you yeah. see the, the George Takei one where, you know, there's never another accusation against Garrison Keillor or George Takei where it was just mm-hmm. it, like you read it and it seemed like total crap. Right. And then the guy admitted that he made it up. Um, and then there's like um, Harvey Weinstein. Or and, Andrew Cuomo. Or Andrew Cuomo. I mean, I mm-hmm. think, you know. <laughs> I think where I work in my day job, I think, uh, and I work for a comedy radio show that is part of like the bro radio thing from back in the day. And I think it's, it's made, uh, I think it's made the environment for female employees a lot better. There are more female employees. There are, there's a different way they're treated. And I think that's a good thing. You know what I mean? I think that, um, and there's still issues where, yeah, I won't go into it, but anyways, I, well, I, I, no, I you know, and I think there's a time to be forgiving and understanding because if somebody's willing to work yeah. and change their ways, there has to be a path to redemption. Like you yeah. can't just cancel somebody forever. I don't believe in that. I just believe right. in maybe look at your actions and try to change them and maybe treat people as individuals. That's just the key. And that's yeah. the, the foundation of libertarianism, which is why I think fourth wave feminism is libertarian feminism. I wish it was bigger. I wish, but it's, you know, it's not popular to say, hey, own your actions, men, women, and everybody own your actions and treat other people well. That's not a popular statement because that's hard and it takes introspection. Well, I think, I think it's easy for the left to kind of dismiss this and say, okay, they just don't want to change. They're being whiny. I think from the right perspective, they, what would you say to like the, the guy that's listening who goes, but you don't, where does this stop? Where does this end? If, you know, at, at my son, is he going to be able to get into college or get a job because he's not a white man? He's not getting hired. Cause I mean, I know HR people, like there is a strong mm-hmm. push in major companies to not hire white males why is that fair, Tricia? And well, after this, then we'll I'll, I'll I'll hit at you from the left. But okay. you know what? Where where does this end? How does your how does your I, I fourth would, wave feminism satisfy that? I would say that um, I don't need to correct the ills in your life for you to correct the ills in what you do. So I I, I will I don't particularly subscribe to the idea that all men are evil and they shouldn't be um, you know 
promoted because they're smarter or whatever than any other race, gender or whatever. So I don't do that in my personal life. I treat people as individuals. Most of my friends are male because they're good people and we're interested in the same ideas. Um, right. So I wouldn't ever think that I deserve more just because of what's in their pants. That's a foreign idea to me. So right. maybe treat females like that and you'll change culture. I really can't fix the wrong that people are doing to you, but I, I can tell you what's being done wrong to me and help you fix it. <laughs> like, right. I just, I can't fix all the problems in the world, but if we treat each other as individuals, that's a really good start. Right. So, so and I do think men sometimes are treated unfairly. I've seen that. I've seen it in bartending, even though I put up with a lot more shit than they do. I've seen them treated really poorly at the bar for certain reasons, like having to lift more, having to do more, um, been, been told nasty things by drunk people for being male. And I, I always stand up for them. So yeah. you know, I'm just, I'm a fan of the individual. So I don't live that way. So, all right. But your individualism mm-hmm. is really a function of a colonial society, a colonialist white supremacist society where, <laughs> nah. and patriarch. And, and I'm, I'm partially, being serious partially not kidding like Mm -hmm. uh, partially kidding like i think if you come from the left perspective they would say if you look at the development of individualism especially through the 20th century it's been invoked as a way to deny that you have any role in making society better and to claim that well i'm just going to kind of throw my hands up and and claim fourth wave feminism and i'm just going to do my thing and i don't any responsibility to others and not for nothing people who have been traditionally oppressed ought to stick together and you're saying we shouldn't stick together we shouldn't you know collectivize ourselves i mean is that a fair critique no (laughs) so i would say that that would be the natural knee-jerk reaction of somebody on the left and it's understandable um, and I, I just think the problem is not in their reaction to it. The problem is in their solution. So what happens is when people believe that, they don't try to come up with voluntary solutions. Um, and that's not necessarily like their fault, their problem in not being able to change society. The problem is that they seek out government to change society. And what that does every time, all the time, left or right, it's collectivizes people and makes things worse. Government inherently is collective and targets people unfairly. And individualism never does. It's the problem that we don't understand the difference. Government lies. Like, the problem with systemic racism racism lies with government. Yes, of course it can lie with groups of people. But in the end, who holds the gun? The government. And if you're going to try to solve a problem with racism, sexism, uh, class warfare, whatever, if you use the government, you're only ever going to make it worse, even if you have the best intentions, because they're a monopoly on force. And what they intend to do is collectivize you for more power. It's, it's never a solution. That's the biggest problem. And so every time these things have come up, government makes it worse. Yeah, yeah. But I agree with you. I'm, I'm a... Yeah, I'm Ryan Lindsay, the Libsock. I'm oh, I, I, Ryan I'm liked not, one of my posts tonight. I was like, where the hell did you come from? <laughs> I love Ryan's good dude. I, here's the thing. Like the, 
the commons, the reestablishing of the commons and common property doesn't necessarily mean that government force is holding. You, you, you libertarians go on and on about your government force, but that's not what the, the left is proposing. They're saying we need to fundamentally change culture to eradicate these theories of oppression. Right. Then and, don't flirt with government and do it. It's well, that simple. It's that simple. Well, now you've bro- blown my theoretical government <laughs> that I've created in my head that can never be instituted because I don't understand human nature. Yes. <laughs> well, human nature is somewhat predictable. You know, human beings, most of the time, not all the time, act out of rational self-interest. So if you can play to that, you'll play to common sense. It's, it's pretty clear cut. It's not that hard. I mean, there's always going to be deviations. And if you want utopia, please die and go to heaven because it's not going to happen here. Um, but I think we have questions, Chris, which oh. I love these questions on stereo. I freaking love them. I love getting into the questions. Um, yes. Here, let me play the first one. All right. I'm ready. Oops. Oh, I can. Oh, cool. Oh, let's hear from the president. I mean, oh, the, form, the former president. Look, we don't live in a perfect world, Ginger. I'm sorry that maybe you had a different thing in mind, but let me tell you, here's <laughs> what you got. Some people, they have a really nice pussy, and they use it to get to the top of the ladder. And you know what I say? If that's your game, you got to work it. And some of them do really well. I would know. I've assisted a lot of people that way. Some people have other things, like talent. You use what you got. I would say to Mr. Trump. First that, of all, fucking amazing impression. Yes, it was really good. It was good. To be honest, I feel like I'm replying to actually Donald Trump. I know. So somebody, he found out about stereo and he hasn't been blocked. People, Donald Trump is on stereo. God, what he's if that actually looking. was Donald Trump? How funny would that be if that was really Donald Trump? Please, God, let this be true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, hey, look, look at look at influencer culture. You know, I, I've been yeah. out there busting my butt as a libertarian podcaster forever. And then <laughs> cuties like you come along and post a couple of cute photos and get nine million likes and become the bell of the ball. How's that fair? Chris, maybe you need more more cute selfies. Well, that's true. Oh, I'm I will say handsome. to Donald Trump, who um, elevated those people to positions by sleeping with them. I know. Let's take the I, I'm taking I don't know why I'm taking his premise seriously, but I, oh, I think it's I, funny. I think, you know, I think a lot know. of people I think a lot of people think that they think, you know, well, women ha- do have the advantage. They have the privilege because the only, the they only privilege. have that privilege, which sometimes they may take because they have no other option or shouldn't be able to take because the people in authority are giving it to them. So maybe just rule that out and then we we just don't have to worry about it. Like if you think they're sleeping their way to the top, then obviously somebody in authority is allowing them to do that. And they should probably be a better boss. I don't know. Right. Crazy. (laughs) Total loser answer. Uh, Okay. Let's go to, I don't know how I got that. Oh, there we go. Okay. Okay. Goddamn, fuck Trump. Goddamn, two plus two. We was fucking four. Motherfucker should have sent me my damn stimulus check. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fucked out my whole time. He has a stimulus check and he's very excited about that. <laughs> but he's at a hotel, so. Yeah. Like, don't, bo- don't blow your stimulus at a hotel. Just don't do it. All right. God only knows what Robin is about to say. Let's see. All right. Oh, shit. Oh. 
Listen, we, I, we had a fart. For I need Robin friends. to understand how on point this is because I was on <laughs> antibiotics for a week and now I'm on <laughs> probiotics. And I got in trouble with my girlfriend last night because I farted so hard that the couch rumbled. Do you, and, do you, do you fart in front of Reagan? Oh, uh, I try. I've like three times. She claims it's every day, every hour. Cause she exaggerates like me. I probably farted in front of my husband. He does none of those things. He's very private. Yeah. Like we've been together for a couple years and like, I'm sitting here and I thought I could kind of get away with it. And it, just was not happening it didn't it didn't pan out the way you thought it would yeah i mean i'm not like standing up open cheeking it and blowing it out in the air like in her oh, face God. but like you know how it is now are they just like air one. are they air farts or like really like you're like oh my god that smells bad to me and i'm the one who did it like, i never no i rarely <laughs> fart because i try to eat well. rarely. no but, no no you eat chick-fil-a for breakfast like a double chick-fil-a sandwich chicken chick-fil-a is fucking good for you doesn't it produce farts though? No, you. I'm a uh, very, liar. very clean eater. I really, I rarely fart. I'm being honest with you. Liar. I really don't. Um, <laughs> I bet I'm gonna make this into a beam. Like every couple days, maybe. But I really, I mean, if you don't eat like trash, then you usually don't. But I've been eating. Now, if I eat ice cream, oh, forget it. Oh, so you so. have like lactose farts? Yeah, that's and those are no good, no bueno. But if I <laughs> If I, I'm on these probiotics trying to get my gut back together and, and I just thought I could kind of, you know, blow it right into the cushion and not get noticed. But well, oof. my husband hates these things, but I think when I was pregnant, I probably farted in my sleep a lot just because it lends itself to like gas in the stomach. You just like build. It yeah. Up. He didn't say anything, though, because he's really nice to me. <laughs> didn't talk about it on our podcast. <laughs> I did. She I did fart- for him. <laughs> She farted first in front of me, okay? so I don't think my husband's ever farted in front of me. And if he has, he must have ran away because I've never smelled it. And she she said that I, you know, she's like, I'm so in love with you. But if I weren't, I'd be leaving and I wouldn't be dating you. That's how, <laughs> seriously, she's, her family's all from Virginia, Southern Manners, right? She's like, you need to, if you need to fart, you need to go in the bathroom. And <laughs> To a man, that's like saying you need to sit down when you pee. Like, oh, I'm master of my domain. I no, it's not. Couch. That's not even close to the same thing. Yeah, it is. And I'm not going to. And no, I told my guy one, friends and, and my no. friend Brandon, my friend Brandon, he goes, she is a queen. She is a goddess. She is the best person you will ever date. If you blow this, I will be so mad I at mean, you. honestly, though, Chris, he's probably right. Like He is well, 100% right. And then Jude, Jude said, no, nah, I'm pro fart here. You let it rip. You're not going to go sit you know down what? and pee, are you? She's hot. She's smart. She's wanting to, like, build a life with you. Dude, so am I. The bathroom. Just fart in the bathroom. It's I'm not. fine. I refuse. I'm a man. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I think I... Oh, do you, oh, you know, oh, you, you guys are a very nice couple. I was going to say, wait till the Dutch oven comes up. Because that's, <laughs> that's divorce material. I would never abuse her with my anus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a monster. This could that is just like the most horrible statement because it could go in so many ways. But I think actually, okay, I won't even go there. I'm going to be nice because I really like your girlfriend. (laughs) You want to listen? Do you want to hear from? Let's hear from DJ Radio host. All right, three from him and three from David. All right. What do you guys think somebody should do if they aren't a uh, sexist? And they see uh, these kind of things happening. Uh, 
because a lot of your advice has been directed at someone who would be a sexist. Um, so I was wondering what you suggest for for just a normal person who doesn't treat people any differently or if there's a role for that person to play. Oh, I, I really actually like that question. So nobody yeah. has nobody has the onus, in my opinion, nobody has the onus to speak up for other people. But um, I think it's good when they do. So I, I yeah. would say just be supportive of that person. And maybe if you're able to stand up to your boss and say, you know, um, I don't think you treated that person respectfully and it's not fair because the more people that do that, the less that will happen. You know, we talk about these people in authority doing things. Well, you know, they're not going to be a boss for very long if they don't have anybody working under them. So sometimes it's difficult and maybe your job is in um, play or whatever, but I, I think the right thing to do is speak up. I don't think you need to. And sometimes I understand not, but I think you'll probably be a better person for doing so. And if more people did, the world would be a better place. And that goes towards every ill in life. Yeah, there's a great YouTube video that I always kind of, uh, on a question like this, called The First Follower. And it's this great video of a guy dancing at a music festival. And he looks like a total weirdo, right? Like he's the dude that's alone on the hill dancing, totally alone, acting, you know, feels isolated, Mm-hmm. You know, probably thinks, you know, well, he may be drunk, but everybody else is kind of going, <laughs> oh, what a freak. I was going to say, if, or maybe not drunk, maybe having some herb and he doesn't give a shit. Yeah, right. But <laughs> then, you know, the first follower shows up and starts dancing with him and makes his behavior normal. And so it's not always. And, and then by the end of the video, the whole place is dancing because of the first follower. Right. So in social interactions and in social circles. There, there will always be a person who is the trailblazer, who is speaking mm-hmm. up, who is taking the, you know, from John Wycliffe in 1337 saying, you know, the, the Pope is a whore and the church is corrupt and you don't need them to mm-hmm. get to God, you oh, know, damn. and then good, at, good. <laughs> all the way to, you know, the first woman that stood up against Andrew Cuomo and said, this, this guy did this. And that person is always isolated, right? There's always in every group in any social circle, the first person feels super isolated. And I mean, you doubt yourself. If you've been that person, mm-hmm. you have a ton of self-doubt. When you're the defector, you defect oh, yeah. from the common conventional wisdom. That being that choosing to be the first follower and stand up and say, yeah, I stand with them and I don't think this is right is incredibly powerful and starts to tilt the balance. You know, Mm -hmm. when the second woman comes out or the second employee says, yes, I don't think this is right. Or especially when that person is in the in group, Uh, you know, let's say, let's say you have an office of all males and you have one female and the female stands up and says, I don't think this is right. If nobody stands up and becomes the first follower, then it dies there. But if you have one person who is in the in group, one mm-hmm. of the males stand up and say, yeah, I agree with her. This isn't cool. That gives that, that stiffens the spine of the other people in the in group to mm-hmm. defect too, to stand up for what's right. Because human nature is to let, let bygones be guide bygones. Don't get involved. Don't rock the boat. We don't want trouble. Like I don't want to be a troublemaker. And I think it's, I think if you're a guy you know, I don't think you have to be, 
and the term white knight gets thrown around, but I, I think I hate honestly, that term. Can I, I just think, say I hate that so much? Yeah, like I think the term white knight is like a term to keep those first followers in line. You know, if you go and watch civil rights footage, um, you know, on the Edmund Pettus Bridge, you've got white people screaming in the faces of other white people calling them, you know, the white white N-word or N-word lover. And it was an intimidation to keep them scared mm-hmm. and from, from helping because those segregationists understood that that first follower is incredibly powerful and that tilts the balance and we can't have this. And you see that now, like, don't talk about race. I need to scare you with critical race theory because if you defect, mm-hmm. other people may defect on this stuff. And so, um, I, would just I, say I feel a I, lot the of that. The way that I try to do it is just try to relate stories. I try not to be accusatory, but I will go out of my way to a support the main person, the trailblazer. Uh, or if somebody's out of line, like I got guy friends now where I just kind of go, dude, the reason you're single is because you're an ogre, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just try to relate my personal stories or I try to relate other stories and try to like, get them to see the light and people are going to pick up on that, that social pressure. And then if they're really out of bounds, you've got to stay something, you've got to push back. You've got to, if somebody uh, violates the bounds of morality or good taste, like at a certain point, you really, if you care about that person have to push back. And you know, if, if your dad's a racist and you call them a racist and they get mad at you and never talk to you, it doesn't matter. They never forget that you called them a racist and they think about why you called them a racist. Mm-hmm. And they can just dismiss it and say, oh, well, it's because his brain's infected with critical race theory. Or they can go, you know, maybe I'm wrong here if, if this person I love and care about thinks, so, thinks that of me. Like, it, it, you know, if, if you're a guy and you have a guy friend who is – listen – there's a, a tremendous amount of sexual misconduct, right? It, 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 violations of women. Your guy friends in your circle are one of those guys probably. And you know <laughs> which one I'm talking about. It's in your brain right now. And it's up to you to, to, to go and like, you know, fix that. Like, I just think you, you bear some responsibility for your community. That's probably where the radical individualist anarchist gingerarchy and I disagree <laughs> is that I do think that you have some responsibility within your social circle to set norms because that social pressure is important. I would say through libertarian theory, you don't, but I'm also not a person that thinks libertarian theory ever survives without morality. So I'm a moral person. So I think you do. And I think your theory is trash. If you can't live as a volunteerist and as somebody that makes good associations. I yeah. think I don't care if you know philosophy through and through. I don't care if you've read every libertarian philosophy in the world. If you don't act like a good person and help people in need, your theory is trash. Like nobody will ever follow you and you will be alone. And so it means nothing because hypothesis and theory are two different things. So I, I would say that I agree with you. And that's kind of where I've kind of come to terms with the fact that I just don't think I get along with a lot of an- anarcho-capitalists anymore because they want to sit and argue hypothesis and theory all day, but they just don't live that way. And I don't think if you live uh, the the philosophy that you believe, you actually even believe in it. You, yeah. you, there's no fruit. I don't see your fruits. I think that you just want to be right. And I don't care to associate with you. 
So no, I mean, I, I think there's there's got to be a cost for doing the right thing, right? Like, yeah, I I I don't, you know, Dion always says allies have scars, and it's true. Like speaking up mm-hmm. and saying this dehumanizing language or these these little tricks to get out of doing what's right are not okay. Well, that's cost me listeners. That's cost me friends. That's cost me tension in relationships. It's, but it's the right thing, you know. And if and if mm-hmm. you if you know somebody in your in your community is doing the wrong thing and you don't have the courage to stand up, you have to ask yourself if you really believe that stuff, you know. And I, I right. think you pick your spots. I don't think you have to be aggressive. You don't have to be screaming in people's faces. I mean, I think other people have a different tactic than I do. I, but I I, I try to. You, you know, relate my personal experiences and, and try to get the person to see that point and get them asking questions and then kind of say, yeah, I just think that you're, you're wrong here on this, this or that. And I think you got to do it the way that um, you've got to be uncomfortable. You've got to be courageous, but you don't have to do it the way that other people do it. You, you do it your own way. But I think you, you owe it to people in your community that are at a power imbalance to have that first follower step up. And I think in society, when we look around at the people who there's a power imbalance, we ought to speak up. And maybe that's along the lines of race. Maybe that's along the lines of class. Maybe that's along the lines of, you know, the small business owner that's been, you know, shut down for a year. You know, I mean, you got to speak up for the people who are on the wrong end of power. I Um, I like that idea of first follower too. And it's true. Uh, Human beings, like we all try to, we all want to believe that we're the person in the zombie apocalypse. That's going to be like leading the group. And it's just not how it happens. No, there's no idea that you and I have (laughs) that is original. There's nothing that you and I think that is original or a situation that is original. There's already somebody else who is already doing that thing and they need somebody to help them, you know, or, You know, or maybe you have to be the trailblazer in very like small situations, like in a group of 10 people. And you've got to, you know, and in those situations, you go to the other people that you kind of see wince and go, hey, is Dave being a problem? Do you think there's something going on there? Yeah, I didn't want to say anything because I love them. But, you know, and, and I think people don't like, especially, you know. I, I've learned this from Miss Pat. White people like to be polite. They don't like to like. They like to tiptoe. They want to be comfortable mainly, and mm-hmm. so they'll they'll. Uh, I, I think millennials and Gen Z are kind of taught to not rock the boat in a lot of ways. So you know we find timidity to be a higher value a lot of times uh, yeah, than you know, Chris, previous generations. No, I, I also think there's the reverse of this too, which I see in society. So what happens is once somebody is brave enough to speak out, speak out then everybody piles on and yeah. there's this thing where everybody's cruel and it's cool to be cruel to somebody and nobody is giving them mercy after a certain point of time and letting redemption. Right. And that wasn't the point of it in the first place. So it's like, you know, once somebody is hated enough and try to cancel, maybe give them space to be merciful to them after that. Like, do you want them to change their behavior or you just want them to burn in hell? Like, what is yeah. your, what is the point in what you're doing? I think the first followers want to change in behavior and to speak truth. I think everybody that piles on at the very end probably has poor intentions because they're just followers and they don't really understand what they're doing. I yeah. think if we could be individuals and really understand what we're saying and own our actions 
at the end of the day, when you lay your head on your pillow, know that what you did was for the right reasons. When a value I, I, has a when a value has a cost, it means more. And I think you understand yes. your values more when you think individuals have to think about their values because we think a lot about what would society look like if there were no rules or if there weren't uh, this eight hundred pound gorilla of the government setting standards. You know, would when in, in a pandemic society would a an anarchist society do the right thing and wear masks because they were per- persuaded of the science? Or do we need a government to force people to socially distance, right? Like that's been a big argument in mm-hmm. right, right-leaning libertarian circles. Um, I, I tend to think that government action creates backlash. It creates, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, but like what are my personal values? Well, I, I, I'm going to take the risk that is appropriate for my family. So that depends right. on if I'm seeing – you know, before Christmas, I didn't go anywhere for a month, you know, and I, I wanted to make sure that when I saw my family, I had quarantine that, you know, but I'm not seeing anybody that's vulnerable right now. So I'm, I'm going to a restaurant every once in a while, I'm going to do those things. You know, it's like, I think I'm on the liberal scale because of all my libertarian friends. And like, I'm reading the New Yorker this week. And this woman's like, here I am at this restaurant. I sat outdoors. I had been vaccinated. I double masked. And I'm just like, man, we live on two different I've planets. I have never done that. <laughs> right. Like, well, I, we, I've, I been think the I've been to Florida. I've been to Florida twice. Skews people. <laughs> the government skews people. So it's like, if they never did that, I think that people would probably actually have been much more inclined to. 100%. Or, yeah, I, I really do. Like, so I think a lot of people have a knee jerk reaction against authority, even though yeah. most of the time they blindly follow it, which is so weird. It's just uh, right. I, I they follow the authority of their group. Special. <laughs> yeah. People follow the authority of their group yeah. because they find meaning in being in the, in, in their in group. And, you know, you look at the NCAA, for instance, when they closed down and the NBA shut down, it was like, everybody, we're all in this together. And then two weeks later, Trump's coronavirus CDC guidelines come out, governor shut down, and the resentment immediately sprang up. And so, uh, you know, it's, th- there's always going to be a cost. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, uh, well, I, I just, I, I think you gotta, you gotta have some, you gotta find out what you believe and you gotta exercise it. And the more it costs you, the more you appreciate it. I think it's funny because when you say that most people give you the answer, like, well, what if this happens or what if that happens right. or this will lead to this? And it's like, I don't think that, they understand that this world is not perfect. And so if you're looking for perfection, we don't have it and you're not going to find it. Yeah. So <laughs> the and government the is not the answer. Yeah, yeah. It just, I, I, utopia is not meant for this world. And so if your, if your philosophy lies in finding a utopia now, it's probably a really shitty philosophy, whether you're an anarchist or a statist, like it's not going to happen. Just try to find the best way. You know, I think we have more questions, Chris. Yeah. DJ has a couple here. Oh shit. It's weird. Cause you guys are saying treat everyone as individuals, but then you're also in the same breath. Categorizing. Yeah. Categorizing oh. people. I think that's what people along. Um, racial and like gender lines and then giving them instructions based on okay are are we being um uh do not duplicitous that means intent <laughs> uh yeah i mean are are we being 
So uh, I, 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 I think two things can be true at once. I think this is really hard for a lot of people to understand. I think that people can be collectivized as um, a race or sex or class, but I also think that people are individuals. So I think both of those things can be true. I have enough nuance to understand that. I mean, the whole world is talking about identity yeah. politics. And, and even if you yourself are not controlled by identity politics, when a large portion of the population is are having those arguments and labeling themselves, then when you're having a conversation, you're going to use those labels. I think, right. I, I don't think that, I think people confuse individualism with erasing all of those lines, but right. I think identity in, it comes in many forms, right? Like I am a boyfriend. I am a video editor. I'm a libertarian. I am a Christian. I, I have, I'm white. You know, I have all these different characteristics and identities, and it makes me a unique person in a lot of ways. But that doesn't – I think individualism is more about how you treat other people than how you expect mm -hmm. the world to treat you. And so I don't expect that all those lines to be erased. I have to look at that, and I have to say – Am I treating others differently because of their identity? Yes. Or am I, am I doing certain things that are dehumanizing? Or am I buying into ideologies that are inherently violent? And how can I produce more harmony and peace in the world with my words, with my actions, with my time, my money? Um, and that's where individualism comes in and, and, and examining kind of what's going on, but it doesn't mean losing your identity or letting go of certain things, you know, or being proud. I, I'm a proud, you know, from a German immigrant family, like, you know, I'm a proud Hoosier. Like I, I and I don't buy that, that the left wants to erase all of that. Maybe some of the intellectuals do and, and the right wing intellectuals will, grab onto that and pretend that all people on the left want that. And I don't think that's true. I think, you know, there's well, all kinds of different prides, right? One of my least favorite things that people say, and it does like a lot of white people say this, I don't see color, man, you're fucking lying. Yes, you right. do. The right. difference is, can you see past it and learn to know somebody as a person? That's the difference. Cause everybody sees color. Everybody sees gender. Everybody sees race. Whether it's looking, it doesn't, it, if, if you say that you don't see that when you look at people, well, I don't know, maybe you're the second coming because I just don't believe it. The difference is how do you treat somebody? Do you see past it? Do you get to know them as an individual? Do you blanketly treat people some way because they fall into line with a certain category or collective category of people? That's the difference. People are different. There are black people. There are white people. There are men and women, transgender, bisexual, whatever. Like we all are here on this planet and it's really stupid to say you don't see that. The difference is, are you judging somebody on that? Are you automatically thinking they are this way because this is their identity? Or, or policies know? that you support. Like I think you look, yeah. at, um, you look at something like the border, right? Like you take immigration and what's happening at the border and – the the trump cages and and people and kids sleeping in their own shit was outrageous and you look at the conditions of biden's you know detention centers and they're like five percent better at least they have some <laughs> facilities 
but yeah, but I love treating- when he's like, "I'm not going to do that." I'm just like, "Well, you're kind of doing it, Biden." You okay. are right, right? <laughs> like, and oh, they they like bought a hotel and have people staying at hotels. Like, but in the end, like, are you are you um, saying it is okay that this stuff is happening because your president is in power, and then when the mm-hmm. other guys in power are flipping your sides? Like, no, we look at it and go, these are human beings deserving of dignity. They're mm-hmm. deserving of work. They're deserving of uh, 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 not being um, t- tortured, basically, it, yeah. it, with child separations, an orphan, and not for nothing, but the policies that have been implemented by um, both, you know, all the last four administrations, basically, have sent free market social signals to the coyotes that kids are going to get in and stay and find. So families are now raising money to send just their kids. Yeah. And so you're, you're putting children in danger with the policies that you're supporting because you're kind of okay with it because your guy's doing it and in charge of it. And yes. that's where I respect an AOC, for instance, who says, I'm in the in group. I'm a Democrat. I'm supposed to support Joe Biden. What he's doing is wrong. You know, and or or when Joe Biden says Andrew Cuomo should resign if these charges are true, you know, where whereas I've had very a lot of contempt for the right for not having that same set of rules for themselves and policing their own in group and uh, saying this isn't okay. This, you know, the Christian church and some of these Mm -hmm. evangelical leaders saying, yes, everything Trump does is okay. Yes, the border stuff is okay. Yes, his affairs are okay. So weird we're not to gonna... me. Right, That's like it's so weird. Yeah. So, um, but anyways, I'm I'm off on a tangent. But I think that's <laughs> that's where it comes in. Is like, what are you, what are you supporting? What are you lending your voice to? What are you lending your time and money to? Oh, play another question, Chris. All right, let's hear from, um, Michael. Michael. Oh, is I think I know the answer to this. Um, hmm. Fourth line feminism is where they become bullies. Is that correct? <laughs> no, Michael, you'll have to go listen to the beginning when she articulated it. Only if you want me to be Michael. But if you want to... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean well. that flirty. I just meant like, nah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a bully. Am I a jerk, Chris? Because I think somebody you... like tried to call me a jerk no. today. You okay? So you have you you have the worst Facebook of anybody. Like it's not you. You're very thoughtful. It's just whatever group of guys you have collected are some of the most harassing <laughs> weirdos. Are. And you know, I don't know. So let's hear it, some. It, yeah. Let's let's hear some more. Oh, sorry. Hey, um, I also like paper. Hey, you roll your weed in there? My girlfriend farts. I literally rip her pants off and start fucking her asshole before it dries up. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, well, David, we're going to go ahead and uh, skip the next two comments of yours. Uh, Boss, (laughs) let's hear from you. A question for all men out there. We all want women. Most of us want women. But do we need them? Do we need women in 2021? All right. The boss um, raises an interesting question. Do we need yeah. you? Not if you don't want us. I'm sure that there's other men out there that you could find. Did you see the chart of people that have basically just not like 
the amount of people that aren't having sex. <laughs> are they all libertarians? No. But, so, all right. Because uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they are. So there's this chart that's like a hockey stick graph, basically, starting in oh, 2008. My. Okay, go on back. <laughs> there's like this huge increase of, of men specifically, but women too, just not having years of sex, which... Well, I don't think that's a bad thing, to be honest. No, 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 no. Like, listen, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but as a Christian, we are waiting till we are married. We've been together two years. She's very attractive, but I... We both believe that if you are a, if you don't believe in premarital sex, you can't say that and have it. Like you should you should wait, and that's not the case for a lot of people yeah. because people have. Yeah, just, I don't think like, it's out of some morality or purity. <laughs> no, I think the uh, the tender age. I think so. Uh, you know, and this kind of ties into some of the school shooting stuff. Like it, the the sexual economics of our time have changed because of some of it. But I think a lot of it is that men are opting out. They are playing video games. They are kind of well. I would a say path. honestly, or pornography, or pornography, and, and why rampant. why go through the hassle? And I think that that yeah. has kind of fed a culture of uh, you know the men's rights stuff. I know uh, yeah. what I want to raise oh, is Lord. the men's rights stuff with you because oh Lord Jesus help me <laughs> um, because I know that you believe in men's rights I do but not yeah. that kind well I don't believe in it to a point where you think all women are evil um, I, I personally like um, I am divorced I'm remarried and my husband's a wonderful man but um, who we will I, hear I from next <laughs> he might he probably even lots yeah <laughs> he's, he's he, He's, He's here philosophical. The, oh yes, and the message is very long. <laughs> but um, and I didn't r- rely on the state to collect child support. I've never received it, um, and I try to be very fair and just. So um, I personally lived my belief that men and women are um, equal. But I don't understand that the hatred for women that do collect it because it's like. You know, they are kind of raising the children. And I see so much of the point where, well, the state's after us and we we want equal time, but then just go for, you know, 50-50 custody. Like, it's just this weird, like, it just seems to take be like, I'm going to take all my hate on, out on women um, that I was with. And it's just like, maybe find some solutions to your problem and just pay for your kids. I don't know. That's, that's, me. that's crazy. Yeah, but, I feel like there's a, like, they're sort of, I read this great book. It's now called, at the time it was called Mate. Now it's called What Women Want. And it's by Tucker Max, who wrote, I hope they heard, served beer in hell. And Jeffrey Miller, I believe it is, who is a evolutionary psychologist. And they basically wrote this like book, basically in the wake of the pickup artist bull, bull crap. Oh, God. And that guy. like Tucker Max is a legendary swordsman, if you will. And so he, he went, he basically like worked with this guy to form a book that was anti pickup artist. And it would, you'd think that he'd be like the pickup, like, Oh, so he sort of tricked guys, right? Like, Mm -hmm. how do you pick, how do you pick up women? And this book really changed my life because instead of blaming, uh, Oh, I'm just the nice guy and women don't like nice guys. It was like, I hate that. 
the book was basically like, if you're single and you're not getting dates, it's because you don't meet the biological criteria and you're a shitty person. And if you want, you want people to like you, if you want to be successful like me and you want dates, then you need to be physically fit, be intelligent, be funny, work on yourself, be emotionally prepared to have a relationship. Like, don't be passive aggressive. Don't do, you know, and I, I think yeah. that's, where it all kind of falls apart with some of the, the men's rights stuff is that it does get into that blame uh, of other people instead of just taking in like responsibility for yourself, you know? And, and well, I just think it, that's true. a huge part I, of this. After I got, you know, divorced, it was like, I, you know, I dated a lot and I had a couple decent relationships. I mean, they weren't winners like per se, like they didn't win my heart or whatever. I didn't, perceive them as bad experiences because I was just trying to learn for the best person. And I dated somebody who treated me really respectfully and I really enjoyed philosophy with him. And he was always gracious to me and never treated me like um, trash because I was a woman. He had great, a great deal of respect for a woman and I married him. So I don't really know <laughs> like how that's weird. Like it seemed to be a good, I don't know. It seemed to be a good uh, uh, recipe for marriage to me. And we have a happy relationship, you know, it's not perfect, but it's very good. So I think mutual respect is just what people are looking for, men and women. I don't know why we can't do that. It's really not that hard. Right. Let's hear from your husband now. So those who will deny an intrinsic (laughs) racism will say that they don't see color. How are people supposed to see beyond color and and race and gender and actually locate what is central about another human being in order to identify their essential individualism and therefore judge them in a more appropriate and expedient way, which will lead them to seeing a person um, as a perfected being, so to speak, um, or as a person who is more valuable as an individual than they are as the member of a collective. Okay, you know I don't speak John Mann. What did he say? Okay, so he basically said, how do we see past color, sex, and race and learn who the individual is? And I think that is being a um, human being and just learning to love people and trying to understand them, honestly. Like, Like, just not automatically assuming that they're somebody because they belong to this class or race or sex. Getting to know people. I think having friends and, and that aren't exactly like you is a good thing. Overrated. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think just to be willing to admit that maybe you do have some biases towards other yeah. people. You know, and, I and think as an individual, you can be a minority have... and have biases. You can, yeah. you know, this doesn't this isn't doesn't owned by white men. This is owned <laughs> by the whole human you know race. So uh, let's hear more from David. If you need to find some better probiotics, I recommend ones that you didn't buy at the dollar store. <laughs> People are totally just going with this whole politically correct bullshit because they're being told to keep going with it. That do you was think really people- deep. Do you really think people deep. are just being politically correct because everyone else is telling them to be politically correct? Well, it might be there's a point to that. So there's some, of course. But, like, this idea that people have been bamboozled into believing that other people have inherent value and should be treated differently by society is not, like, propaganda. 
Christopher, what? how old are you? 37. Why do you say bamboozled? <laughs> because it's tokum. It's bamboo. It's, I love, I love oh, no. the term bamboozled. Please never so say fun. that again. Okay. Congratulations on your retirement. Okay. Shut up. <laughs> Would you be kind enough to explain it succinctly what fourth wave feminism is, please, so I can get some context? Please give yeah. a brief description. Uh, can I, well, I expounded on it earlier, but it basically is um, that women are individuals. So you treat them like individuals and um, breaking up the patriarchy isn't about man hate or bringing men down. It's just um, making women on an equal playing field. So basically would, it's like first wave feminism only uh, with much more nuance. Yeah, That's would you, my so would you say it's a, a reorientation? Yes, exactly. That's a great word. Better than bamboozled. Thank you. I stole it from John. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I don't know. I just think that women in the 21st century, you, you are your own worst enemy and you oh, are boy. bringing about your eventual demise uh, <laughs> within certain spheres of society. I mean, it was the feminists, for example, who pushed the agenda of transgendered men entering into female sports. And when these transgendered men started dominating the sports and basically... Um, eliminating all quote-unquote genuine female competition then they start to raise their voices um, against it but you know what you dug that grave now you have to sleep in it and now you're having you know uh, men within science trying to recreate women using artificial intelligence and robotics uh, simulated sex and things like that to fulfill these guys you know sexual needs um <laughs> Women better watch out. That's all I'm gonna say. May I address well, yeah, that? I mean, uh, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion, you can take it any way you want. Um, fourth wave feminism to me is uh, nothing more than a guise for toxic uh, femininity. Um, the women have, you know, forcefully taken on the reins of power from the men. Um, in an attempt to destroy the patriarchy and now they want to ride it out and um you know we're starting to see uh the negative effects of that and how it's affecting um you know females what 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 podcast do you think he likes <laughs> i know can i address that please i'd love to hear you address um it. i think his name was biracial brother this <laughs> dm Okay, that was what his it said when you we were playing. Oh, okay. I gotcha. would say I've never done any of those things, so you can't blame me for things other people do. That's collectivist, honey. I'm sorry, you're a socialist. I'm not. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of like turning, turning. Uh, okay, I'm going to take also, all the things that you I say. Also, I don't and just... really, yeah, I, I don't know, like, if you want to have sex with a sex doll or be transgender, like, just, you know, have at it, have a good time. I don't care. Um but you can't blame me for what other people do and you can't blame me for your failures. And if you think women have taken something by force and yet you think they're weak, then how weak are you for letting them do so? Yeah. That's <laughs> stupid. I, right. I'd also say like, <laughs> you, 
I don't think he's thought deeply about these issues. And I think that no. anybody that just kind of like copies the language of the other side, but reverses yeah, because they it, didn't listen to what we were talking about. I said, it's absolutely zero to do with taking men down or anyone else down. It's all about making yourself an individual and not and right. up with not being treated like that. Building your own life and, yeah. and being the best person you can be and yes. helping your community and, but that's toxic femininity, and I just saw the word feminism, so I'm going to reject whatever yes. you're saying to rail against my preconceived bias of it. And it's just sort of like, if you're just copying the language and reversing it, you're not thinking deeply about the issue. You're yeah. just being a parrot of other people that are trying to propagandize you into not thinking about the issue or taking any responsibility for... Like, I, I, don't know. I just, I really think it's so silly because uh, number one, the argument's dumb in its foundation. But when say, when, when certain men say, well, feminism has destroyed society and women have taken it by force and they're taking men's power. Well, I don't believe in the premise of that, which makes me laugh because I think, well, are you weak and you let right. them do that? Because right. if you happen to be the stronger sex, then why did you allow that to happen? Which none of those arguments make sense. It's just me playing the devil's advocate. But it's just like, that doesn't even make any sense. Like, uh, that, that's not even what I'm talking about. We're not playing at the same level here. Like, you're parroting somebody, and I'm thinking critically about something. Right. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Last comment from Sarah. I think it's really important to still understand that someone's race and gender and all these things are essential to who they are in a way. Even if we want to just look at them as a person, it's really important to know that their lived experiences shape a lot of who they are. And part of that is centered around, you know, the race and the gender and the societal class that you're in. It's like talking about those experiences at work. If a man makes a comment to you, your past experiences of that kind of sexual harassment will lead you to be just a bit more... I guess questionable of was that a joke or was that something inappropriate meant to attack me? I actually quite agree with her. And, and yeah, my point of saying, seeing everybody as an individual is not to say, I don't see color. I don't see race. I don't see what I don't agree. I don't agree with when people just say, well, everybody's the same and we're all, we are the same in our equality and the fact that we're all part of the same race, the human race. But yeah, everybody has a different experience. You, Chris, have a different experience than me and can inform totally. me about things. Um, and so could somebody that lives something. So I, I agree with that. That's not what individualism is. It is that everybody has value in being a human being and you cannot collectivize people um, because collectivism is just anti-liberty. It just is. Yeah, I said something very similar to what she said earlier because I, I totally agree. I think yeah. you you can't, you can't again i think it goes back to people she's right people have different sensitivity levels and i don't think you can separate a person's feeling about how they are perceived by the people around them mm -hmm. and i th i think that's a really powerful influence on people's thinking and so how others think about me like you know me like i I do think about what people think about me. I'm open and honest about that. The person who says, mm -hmm. I don't give a crap about anybody's opinion. They're the biggest. They're lying. They're, yeah, so they're lying. Too. Right. Like every, we are hardwired to 
think about the group of people we're around and the group expectations. And, you know, I think, uh, if you have consistently been treated a certain way because of a factor like your race or gender, or, you know, you, you, you start to think certain things about yourself. And so a lot, a lot of this conversation in my opinion is about is trying to negate bad feelings about those things, right? Like, you know, it's, it's, sort of like the black power movement came out of out of Jim Crow because it it was, you know, James Brown's songs, for instance, were like about black as being powerful. It's being beautiful. It's being, you know, uh, worthy. It's, you are an an individual. Then why, why does that threaten you? (laughs) You are an individual deserving of respect and the same equal rights as your fellow citizens. And you're a beautiful Mm -hmm. person. Like, you know, why would you want people who are, you know, in 1965 in Alabama not to have feel empowered, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think, and so that's what a lot of this is about. It's not about trying to subjugate the white male Christian right. conservative. It's it's not about that. It's about getting people to kind of think about the language that they use towards other people and that experience that they have. And, and allowing people to self-actualize actualize and have equal And I would say, rights. Chris, to that end, I think when you learn about somebody's experience and you become their actual friend, they'll yeah. understand your position, too. They'll yeah. understand why you're frustrated or why you want to ask a question and won't think you'll be, oh, I didn't understand his position. And I think one of the most important things I learned over this last year, and it's just the dumbest statement, but it's true. Just because it doesn't happen to you doesn't mean it doesn't happen. And if you could just realize that, then maybe find out what happens to other people and learn from it. Everybody can learn from every everybody else in a different perspective. Yeah. I think, you know, if you're expanding ex- your experience in life, that doesn't just mean going out there and doing other things. It means meeting other people and learning their perspective. There's, there's nothing that can be, there's no detriment to that. There's only gain from that. Yeah. So. Totally. Yes. And I'm mad at that guy about feminism, but I'm just going to pretend I'm not. <laughs> I mean, because I, I get that so much. It's not that he's anybody that I haven't. T- it's just like, you're, can you just listen for a minute? <laughs> are you talking about the, the dude, the DM yeah, guy? Yeah, I just, I get that so much on social media. Like, it's just, I'm so tired of it. I'm just tired of it. Is there anybody that likes being on Facebook at this point? I don't know. I just, I get, I I mean, listen, like there's some, I have a dashboard of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people across all the different social channels that I monitor. So like I see trends that come out of that and like you see, you know, but you still kind of have to realize that that's still a selected group of human beings, you know, know. and I I posted a picture of my baby and instead of, it was just, it wasn't, (laughs) and it was just like, here's her in her little spring hat. I have a little three-month-old baby. Instead, it turned into men's right and child support. Like, number one, I live with her father. Like, he's, he's a yeah. wonderful support. Like, that wasn't the point of anything. I just posted a picture of my baby. Like, it's okay. They, they, it's <laughs> like, I I see a child, so I need to tell you about my horrible experience with the child. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I, I look, I just think social media primes all these conversations and people base their their arguments off of 
kind of the worst elements that get shared. And it just, it's like, I do like stereo because people can call in and you get like a DM and then a Sarah coming from two different aspects. And like, you can, you can flesh that out. This is what free speech is all about. I do. Um, I, I, it's a really wild array of people. That's why I love stereo. You never know. Like when you hit that button, I'm like, Oh Lord, what's coming? (laughs) I know. Right. And and then you have the ability to hear the nuanced answer, have a nuanced response as opposed to like Facebook where it's just sort of a shit show. And I think we base too much of these societal conversations on what we see on our timeline because we're also addicted to these little serotonin boxes that we Mm -hmm. think that's real life. And, uh, hopefully what we've outlined here today is like a path to a, a better, more prosperous, harmonious society. Yes. And I'm sorry I said it made me mad, fella. If you want to call in, if you want to, I'll sit down and have a show with you. We can talk so we can understand each other because I'm all about D- understanding. DM hits us up almost every time. So uh, all right. thank you for listening. <laughs>